If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Blessing, Addy Oye Jr. Joining me is twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. My camera is finally clear, more clear than it has been in the last, I don't know, two weeks or something like that. It's been so blurry, and a lot of people have been wondering, does Blessing have a better camera than everybody? Or does Greg, Greg's camera looks better than everybody's? No, it's just a Discord connection issue i guess it looks better now i keep saying we can we can switch to google hangouts there's no reason why we can't switch isn't that right kevin the quality is the worst oh okay <laughs> the quality is the worst <laughs> what are you eating breakfast what you eating kevin? what you eating a little yogurt some oh granola, some granola and some yogurt getting it's, it's the good. uh getting the getting the belly health uh up right there kev yeah, they're working on that butt guy. No, gut biome. <laughs> cut, yeah, there we go. I mixed That's it. Exactly I mixed it, it up. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, you got there in the end. You got there in the end. It's funny because like this morning I was I was thinking about breakfast and usually what I do. I think we talked about this literally last week that I I do my Starbucks run where I'm I'm looking mad crusty in that Starbucks, but I go there to get the mm -hmm. iced coffee and the the warmed butter croissant. And this morning, as I was putting together the show, there's so much news, and so we should probably get there sooner than later. But there's so much news today that as I was putting shit together, I was like, I am not going to have time to go to the to the Starbucks to actually get my breakfast. And so what I did, instead of going to Starbucks, I opened up my fridge. I had some leftover chicken that I just oh. warmed up. I got myself some tea instead of some coffee. I'm, do, I'm, I'm pretty chill today, Andy. I'm I, feeling pretty chill. I'm glad you are, Blessing, because I had a terrible morning. My Starbucks gets here at 9.20 a.m., and... It, it's there it's there's liquid all over my front porch there it's just oh no it is just leaked everywhere i look at the staircase and it is just leading up the whole staircase i look in the bag the bag is full of just coffee everywhere it's gone it's destroyed i got oh, my refund though and i wonder nice, if they look at my nice. past history and go no you know what we can trust this guy i we think about that often because yeah. i i use doordash i have dash pass and i love using doordash but I think I use DoorDash so much that the rate for error just goes up to where now, like, there have probably been seven or eight different times where I've had to request a refund because of a missing item or because they grabbed the wrong order or something right. went, went wrong. And, of course, this is seven out of possibly hundreds of times within the last couple of years of the pandemic and how much I've been ordering DoorDash. But it's that thing of the seventh time I was like, fuck, man, like – are they going to believe me this time? Like, is this the time where they're like, you've oh, done yeah. this six times before. Like, are you scamming us? I get worried about That's it. That's a thing so called anxiety right there, Bless. I also mm -hmm. recently got um, some kudos from Uber Eats because uh, they basically gave me my Spotify wrapped for the year. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, you're in the top 1% of orders from Volcano Curry. Way to go. And I'm just like, no, that's not, oh, I don't want to. I, I didn't want to know that. I feel like shit now. So don't ever let me know that ever again. Thank you very much. God damn that. Yeah. I feel that pain, Andy. I know mm -hmm. that pain. Andy, do you know what else I know? What I do you know, know that 
yesterday was a huge news day and also today's a very big news day because oh. we're coming off of yesterday's news in the aftermath of yesterday's news so we have no time to waste let's talk about today's stories which include follow-ups and fallout from the Activision acquisition, Rainbow Six Extraction reviews, and more, because this is Kinda Funny Games Daily. You should never week that at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kinda Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news needs to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindafunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games with bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you a new kind of funny games cast is up right now and it's our predictions for how we see this activision blizzard acquisition going it is a free-form conversation with me tim greg and andy there's a lot of debate and back and forth on whether or not we think all this is a good thing or a bad thing or anywhere in between you can check that out right now and then in case you missed it, PS I Love You XOXO is up, and it's our re-review of Horizon Zero Dawn. We talk about what it's been like revisiting the game and our hopes for Horizon Forbidden West. That is up right now on YouTube and on podcast services around the globe. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about, about Forbidden West later in the show because there was a new trailer, and I'm very excited to talk to you about this, Andy. But it is our last news story, so we'll see how much time we have by the time we get there. But I digress. Lastly, uh, do you want to help us out? You can do so. By filling out the RT podcast survey, uh, it is all about the Kind of Funny podcast. It only says Kind of Funny podcast, but they're talking about all of our podcasts. It takes just a few minutes, and it helps our network understand what you like about us. You can go check that out on kindoffunny.com slash podcast survey. Kindoffunny.com slash podcast survey. Thank you to our Patreon producers, James Davis, a.k.a. at James Davis Makes, Blackjack, and Pranksy. Today we're brought to you by HelloFresh, but... We'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. Uh, Bacon's... No. <laughs> Baker's dozen. <laughs> he's eating yogurt and he's like, fuck. I know what's on my mind. Andy, yeah, I've, been waiting, exactly I've, been, I've been waiting to eat yo- like. Cause like it, it all it gets in your mouth and it's so sticky like you know you can't you can't say it right so I was right. waiting yeah I was waiting but I mumbled it you know honestly Kevin you're 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 contributing great content this morning though <laughs> I want to I want to say like even though you're on one like you're on one you yeah know, you're you're killing it you're killing it speaking of one let's start with story number one of course our the first half of our news stories here are pretty much follow-ups from the Xbox acquisition of Activision Blizzard story number one is probably the biggest follow-up so far Sony shares have fallen 13% following the news of Xbox's Activision Blizzard deal. This is Tom Ivan at Video Games Chronicle. Sony shares fell by nearly 13% on Wednesday following the news that Microsoft plans to acquire Activision Blizzard. The movement represents Sony's biggest drop since October 2008 and effectively wipes $20 billion from its market valuation in a single day. In comparison, third-party publishers, including Capcom, Square Enix, Electronic Arts, even though they write here Electric Arts, this is not the name of the company, and Ubisoft, <laughs> all saw, the, saw their share prices surge following the announcement of the deal. The Xbox maker announced before the market opened today that it intends to buy the Call of Duty and World of Warcraft publisher in a $68.7 billion deal, the game industry's biggest ever 
by some distance. Microsoft reportedly plans to keep making some Activision Blizzard games for PlayStation consoles following the takeover's expected completion in 2023. And Xbox head Phil Spencer has claimed that it's not our intent to pull communities away from that platform. Quote, long term, this shows Microsoft is operating at an entirely different level than Sony and Nintendo, DFC Intelligence said of the Activision Blizzard deal in a research note. They continue, Sony and Nintendo have a huge presence in the existing games business, but those two smaller Japanese companies struggle to play in the higher strategic space the industry is heading. This is more about Microsoft competing with Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and others. This acquisition would immediately put Microsoft in a solid strategic position and quote and that's where i want to start with you andy andy what are your thoughts on this being the microsoft acquisition of activision blizzard being more less about competing with sony and nintendo and more about competing with bigger tech companies well we know that the other tech companies are definitely they are thinking more than just games in the similar way to what microsoft is thinking and i think that's when we think of what Sony is doing and how Sony is such a games company right now. They weren't, you know, Sony is not killing it necessarily in the TV game or the cell phone game or anything like that. They are essentially PlayStation right now is kind of the main brand for Sony. So I, all of this definitely makes sense. I think the thing that makes me kind of more confused and something I'm more interested in is why did Capcom, Square Enix, Electric Arts <laughs> and Ubisoft <laughs> have such big share prices surge? Why did the prices surge after the announcement? That's something I'm a little bit more interested in and some, some a reaction that I'm a bit more confused by. Yeah, I, I am, of course, not a finance, financial person, right? I'm not a finance person. I don't know how, how these things go. If I had to guess, my guess would be taking Activision Blizzard off as a big third-party entity in the space probably frees up more space for the Ubisofts and the Capcoms and the other third parties to kind of dominate, right? When you have when you take Call of Duty and make it quote unquote exclusive to Xbox and make it Xbox PC, that probably gives more Ubisoft and other game other publishers more breathing room for their games to perform a little bit better on PlayStation and in other platforms. That's just a pure guess. I have honestly I have no idea. Um, because I noticed the same thing and I was like, I had the same thought of why would that happen? Um, is, is it people preparing for, uh, is it people putting their eggs in a basket and assuming maybe one of these other third party mm. publishers gets, you know, so. swallowed up sounds, by one of yeah, these other, yeah. by Sony or by, by Riot or I, I'm not even sure what Riot's valuation is, you know, but uh, that's just kind of what I'm assuming. Kevin, you had something you wanted to hop in I was with? just going to say, that's, that's what I was thinking too, that, that yeah. people are like, oh shit, Companies can get bought out for this much. Great, let's uh, let's which which one do we think we're gonna who's going to react to this quickly? Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I think that makes sense, especially when you look at the the PlayStation shares dropping thing, right? One of the things we brought up during our Gamescast conversation yesterday was what does PlayStation do, right? Like what is the what is the next step there? And we didn't get deep into the conversation. I think we're we're kind of like trying to like uh, uh, buy it until we get to PSLV so we can have that full conversation. But with shares dropping, right? Like you look at that, you look at $20 billion uh, uh, wiped Jesus. from like their, uh, their value, their market valuation in a single day. And that's ridiculous, right? And we talk about what is the response here? I don't, personally, I don't think the response is to go business as usual. The PlayStation business is working for the PlayStation business in terms of, PlayStation being where you go for 
uh, uh, AAA polished uh, first party titles, right? Those those premium uh, prestige experiences that you can only get on PlayStation, like Last of Us and God of War and Horizon, right? That is what PlayStation has been for the last generation, and that is kind of where that is where they have shined, and that is what their strategy has been for the company. I don't know personally how much that strategy can continue to work if they want to stay competitive with Microsoft. And in that same breath, I don't know what else works. Like if, if you want to stay competitive with Microsoft, because, you know, as we mentioned, Microsoft's pockets are deep, right? Microsoft can buy Activision Blizzard. That's not, that is not something that Sony can just do, right? Sony, I'm sure if they wanted to, to borrow money or gear up or try to make a big move like that, they could eventually get there. But I think that is a way bigger commitment for a company like Sony versus a company like Microsoft that has the back pockets of the rest of Microsoft to help back up the games business. I think Sony right now banking on the Uncharted movie. That's the thing that that's going to take us into the next stratosphere oh, of blessing. No. That's what they're <laughs> waiting for, Kevin. All right, Kevin, we need to buy as many tickets as we can to give Sony a fighting chance. All right. I'll watch it three or four times if that's what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it is worth noting a lot of people in chat mentioned that the market was just kind of bad in general yesterday. There was there were dips kind of all over the place. Uh, so whether this whether that was all reactionary to what was happening, um, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I have such a jaded view of everything once. Once COVID hit and we just kind of realized that like none of this is real and like money could just be dispersed. However, it's like uh, I just it makes me feel icky blessed. But that's a different conversation mm -hmm. for a different time. To, to stick to this conversation, I do want to pull into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Of course, you can go to get the show ad free, but you can also go to write in with your reader mail. And this is one I was going to save for later in the show, but I think it does have to uh, do with our conversation we're having right now. Nolan Daniels wrote in to ask, Activision was founded after first party console game developers left a toxic workplace to make the first ever third party console games. Now, after a recent history of toxic, uh, of a toxic and even dangerous workplace, Activision will now be a first party developer. Ironic. While I am excited excited for the good that comes from this it is sad to see an original or see the original third party console game developer cease to be so does this signal the end for triple a third party game development if so how long do we have and i think that is a very interesting question of course and again this feeds into some of what we were talking about yesterday in terms of our hopes and some of our fears with what this what this acquisition means for the rest of the industry and what the playstation response is or even what does microsoft and nintendo and other big corporate entities continue to do in the space as they continue to gobble these third-party companies up, right? We talked about EA possibly being on the table, right? We talk about, like, even the, the Segas and the Konamis, like, what can happen if a PlayStation could buy Konami, right? Is that a good thing? How, how would that affect the, the, uh, the companies? I want to throw it back to you, Andy. Do you think that we are slowly seeing third-party game developers fall by the wayside and just be all becoming first-party developers? I don't... I'm going to go ahead and say no right off the bat, only because we would not have necessarily seen this if not for bad workplace uh, practices and, and terrible environments for employees working in. And just having that much outcry from employees trying to unionize uh, in the news every day, talking about all sorts of terrible things happening at the company, like it took a lot to kind of get here. Other third party publishers have seen that amount of negativity in the workplace. They've seen small amounts of it, but never kind of in that much of an outcry. Like we, we all the Ubisoft stuff happened. And 
I feel like Activision kind of slowly took over the news and Ubisoft is probably really glad that they have some they had somebody way worse than them uh, yeah. in the industry. And I think it took r something really drastic for Activision to be sold or bought. Um, and I, I so I don't think this is the mark of something. I, if anything, I do think that this kind of sets off an alarm to where all these third party developers or publishers say, hey, we kind of need to get our shit together because this could quickly happen if I guarantee you right now at a bunch of third party publishers or really at any studio, people are watching this really closely and saying that can happen here as well. Hey, we're we've been dealing with some bullshit here at our studio as well. What are the next steps we want to take? Because um, I guarantee you there's those conversations that are happening around the industry right now. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I think the conversation, I think those conversations are happening uh, as, for the question of is third party going away? I think it is a wait and see thing. I, I, I think the, the signs are there in terms of third party, third party developers and publishers possibly getting gobbled up. I think, I think the door is open now for it to happen because Activision Blizzard, I would say was probably the biggest of them out there. When we're talking about the big, when we were at least talking about the big third party companies, we're talking about Activision, we're talking about Ubisoft, we're talking about EA. The fact that Activision, the, the makers of Call of Duty, right? The game that's on the top of the, the, the MPD charts every single year, every single month, right? And we'll get to that later. The fact that they're able to get gobbled up and I'm right there with you that, yeah, I think this happens because of, the controversy of the last half year but i also think that it i i think it was inevitable i think this just made it a an easier grab for microsoft you know this like six, 68 billion dollars is still a lot of money to spend uh on a big corporation like that and i think it was the fact that they were damaged i'm sure microsoft was already looking at them and being like all right what, when's the right time how can we make, make this happen the fact that they they activision had a blow struck and they were weak, made it easier for Microsoft to go, all right, now's the time, let's do it. And for that is Activision. I think for EA, for Ubisoft, for companies that are worth way less than an Activision, I, I, I think it's a matter of time before they do. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to be super alarmist or super like, everything's fucking dying and everything is going away and everything sucks, right? I don't think every single third party developer is going anyway, right? I, I, I do think what's on the table are these big guys and are the, the again, the EAs. I think that Sega's on the table. I think Konami might be on the table, right? And I think some of those might be good, good moves. I would actually like to see a PlayStation acquire a Konami. Uh, they're not doing anything with their games. And I think a PlayStation in control of Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill and them already already having those partnerships with Kojima and having their their uh, slate of developers that I think would actually do good things with those IP. I could see the good that that could do. But, welcome home. Welcome yeah, it's home, like, Snake. Welcome home, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> on the broad level, I do think it's kind of scary of like, oh, yeah, these guys can... I, the the whole industry could be bought and like uh, uh, kind of easily now. What it is what it feels like to me. I do want to uh, open up the the Discord to uh, Jeff Grubb if he does want to pop in and give us his thoughts because Jeff Grubb definitely has way more knowledge on I'd say either of us on this sort of stuff because I oh, yeah. I'm a man child blessing and I I I pay student loans and that's all about all I know about finances. Um, so if Jeff Grubb does want to hop in, he did say hang on. So yeah. he may not be available, but we can move on if 
I think he, he, hang on, to. I assume he, he's on his way. And so as he's making his way here, I do want to jump into the next news story because, again, half of this Roper Report is all about Activision Blizzard, so we can hang out here for a while. Uh, story number two, Bobby Kotick wanted to buy Kotaku. This is Tom Phillips at Eurogamer, and I think I heard Jeff Grubb join. Jeff Grubb, stick around for a second. No, Jeff Grubb did not join. Gary Witt yeah, joined because Gary Witt's <laughs> game, Loodle, the game is now live. <laughs> Wait, is it really? Right yes. now, Gary. Gary, tell us about it. Wow. I've, had, I've heard it on good authority that my good friend Gary Witta just launched LoodleGame.com, the naughty, lewd, profane, very, very dirty version of Wordle. It's alive right now at L-E-W-D-L-E-Game.com, LoodleGame.com. Play it with your kids. No, actually, don't play with your kids. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, not Gary Witta. Thank, Thank you, not Gary Witta. We appreciate it. Out. We appreciate it. I, Kevin, later in the show, I do want to do a live uh, playthrough of Loodle um, after this Activision Blizzard segment, but we'll get there in a second. Jeff Grubb did, ju did just join. Jeff, I I'm going to put you on hold for a second. I want to read this next uh, second news story, and then I'll come back to you. So again, story number two, Bobby Kotick wanted to buy Kotaku. This is Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. <laughs> Activision Blizzard's controversial boss, uh, Bobby Kotick, recently considered acquiring video games websites such as Kotaku and PC Gamer, according to a new report. That's according to the Wall Street Journal and sources with knowledge of Activision Blizzard's recent plans. Kotick apparently suggested the idea to change the public narrative surrounding Activision Blizzard following months of media coverage of the company's culture, history of sexual harassment allegations, and subsequent employee protests. Activision has denied the report, while Kotaku owner Geo Media declined to comment. Quote, this is an awfully strong reaction to us giving the last... Well, let me read that again because this is not the Tony game. <laughs> Quote, this is an awfully strong reaction to us giving the last Call of Duty a 60. Global editor-in-chief of PC Gamer, Evan Lati, told Eurogamer in a response, which is a really funny response from uh, PC Gamer, so thank you for that. Uh, Jeff Grubb, you just joined. To go back, uh, uh, well, just stick here for a second, right? I want to yeah. get your thoughts on this Kotaku situation because, like, <laughs> you write you write for a big uh, 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 games media uh, uh, company, right? I want to hear about that, and then I also do want to hear about your thoughts on like where the fuck does the industry go from here in terms of acquiring companies and competing? Yeah, my my first response is that that Will Smith gift where he's like, "Why don't he want me, man? Why doesn't <laughs> Bobby Kotick want to acquire me?" Come on. Uh, th that is uh, one of the most insane things I've ever... Listen, I get billionaires like to buy media companies and stuff, but if he thinks that would have changed the narrative, he is so out of touch. He, he does need to get out of here. He does need to go retire because he just does not know what's happening anymore. I felt I, like I mean, reading that felt like reading like a, like a villain like scenario yeah. from a comic book or a movie right, where I mean, it's, it's like, I, this is villain behavior. James Bond villain. Yeah, James I, Bond villain's I, like, I'm gonna control all of media and that's gonna be my way out of this. Like, yeah, I no. tweeted that this felt like Succession half as a joke, but yeah. that is just getting way, way more like Succession with the bad person saying, let's control the narrative here. It's a parody of itself at this point. Yeah. He, he really is. Uh, so tell, how do you think PlayStation competes with Xbox, or even other companies yeah. in the industry compete with Xbox. Do you think we're off base in terms of third, more third-party publishers getting bought? No, I, I think we're at a, I mean, Activision was definitely at a, its natural conclusion right now where like either they're gonna have to reboot and their stock price was gonna dip and the leadership probably was gonna have to resign because they were in a tough situation where, I mean, what happened with Activision was 
they only focused on the things that made the biggest profit. So they cut off Tony Hawk, they cut off everything else they were making, and now they're stuck with just Call of Duty. And if thing, with things went sideways with Blizzard, and now they're gonna have next couple of years where they're gonna have dipping revenue, differing oper operating income. And so they were gonna look really bad to investors and their stock price was gonna dive almost certainly. So Microsoft, mm. Microsoft swoops in right then, picks them up. That could still happen with a lot of these other companies. I would say that EA seems to have seen that writing on the wall and has begun sort of looking at ways to diversify what it was putting out there. So Electronic, Ar Electronic Arts is making Dead Space and stuff like that. And they're looking for ways to avoid being in the situation that Activision found itself in. Uh, Ubisoft though is, is kind of trying to stay in the similar lane, but all these companies are at risk of this happening for sure. I would say that in terms of like, how does Sony compete? How do third-party publishers avoid getting acquired? I mean, the solution mostly is to believe in games, which is why I don't think Sony's in too much trouble in the immediate future. They believe in games, they make a lot of video games, that's what people show up for, so they're probably gonna be just fine. Long-term though, Sony is going to have to recognize that Microsoft is spending a lot of money to remake this industry in Game Pass's image. And what does that mean? How do you compete with that? There are a couple options. You could begin financing acquisitions of your own, of your own huge acquisitions. And financing right now is, is an option because capital is really cheap, interest rates are really low. They could do that. That is an option available to them. But taking on a ton of debt to try to keep up with someone who is paying cash on everything, I'm, that doesn't sound like a business I would want to be in personally. I think Sony... Is, is probably still gonna try that. I still think that's probably the route they're gonna go, they're gonna take. But I say, my solution here, I just wrote about this. My solution here is- And where'd you write about it at? It's okay. game, go to gamesbeat.com, check this out. I just put the story up, but the gist of it is don't fight it. Just go to the table right now, dictate terms with, with Microsoft and say, what is it gonna take to get Game Pass on here in a way that we can find acceptable? Maybe just first party mm. games. Maybe we get, uh, you know, at least 30% of the cut, but maybe, you know, maybe we get, you know, 30% of all the revenue that you're making from all these other things, and then maybe pay us a little bit extra on top. Um, and now PlayStation 5 is the one place you can go to get all PlayStation 5 games and all Xbox games day one, and it becomes a really appealing place. I just don't see what the problem is there. I don't see why Sony would be against that, other than they think they need Microsoft to lose for them to win. And I don't, th yeah. that is not an actual thing here. Like, both companies can continue to exist and continue growing bigger and bigger. And I think Sony just needs to come to the table and that's the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. And like, I, I, I worry that PlayStation is stubborn and they yes. won't let that happen. Even though I, I, I think that is the right solution. Cause one of the things I was talking about on Gamescast yesterday was the fact that a lot, uh, a lot of games now have been taken away from the, from the PlayStation library. Right. And I, and you know, like it, it's not the end of the world because on, on for the Xbox platform now, you can play games in a lot of different ways. Xbox games are coming to PC. Xbox games are coming mm -hmm. to streaming. Hopefully, within the by, by the time a lot of these games become uh, 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 are releasing under Xbox, right? We're, we're going to get Starfield later this year. I'm sure Call of Duty by the time that releases as an Xbox game, that'll be a couple of years from now. Yep. Maybe things will be solved out. Maybe things will be smoothed out. Maybe streaming will, will look better. Maybe maybe things will look better in that regard. But even still, right, for PlayStation trying to speak to their audience, there are now huge chunks of games that feel like they're missing, right? Mm -hmm. the, the big Western RPG output is lesser on PlayStation now. Right, and that is you are you are now missing uh, uh, the Elder Scrolls games, right? You're missing things from Obsidian. You're missing other big Western RPGs uh, that were already exclusive to Xbox as well first person shooters right you're saying goodbye to doom you're saying goodbye to wolfenstein you're saying goodbye to call of duty microsoft already had halo and 
I do think you got to do something in order to speak to your audience in order to in, in order to serve your audience. And I think the right move right. would be to put game game pass on your platform to to liven up that library as much as I understand the stubbornness of yes, but no, we're PlayStation like this is us like we like we operate doing our own thing and we are this boutique spot where you come to play the best games. I don't think that stubbornness can last for the rest of the generation because I think you might be you might have to start saying goodbye to some of your audience to Xbox if that's the case. And if Sony's I'm Sony, if, go ahead. yeah, if I'm go Sony, ahead. just give me a percentage of that, whatever that Game Pass thing is. I think that's genius. I think yeah. you're dead on in that article right there, Jeff Grubb. And <laughs> again, chat when you open that article that is in chat, turn off uh, ad block. Yeah, Losers, thanks. Turn off ad block. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or, or go to a, go to events.venturebeat.com and register for our events, which is where we make the real money. Yeah, uh, oh, I'll, just, I'll just say like Sony's got a dominant position right now. They can say, look, look at Call of Duty. Look how much money it makes on PlayStation. It makes a ton of money on PlayStation, more than it even makes on Xbox. Let's let's recognize the importance of PlayStation to many of the games you own, and let's come to a reasonable agreement. And a reasonable agreement right now will probably be one that very much favors Sony. And if you wait a couple years, like this is what happened with the movie th movie theaters, right? Movie theaters are like, hey, we're re renegotiating our, our agreements with uh, with the movie makers and stuff like that. And then the pandemic comes along, destroys movie theaters, and now they're in a situation where they have no bargaining chips and they're screwed. Sony is probably not gonna end up in that situation, but you don't wanna give up your bargaining chips now that you have now to wait and see if you can maybe compete in some other ways when you could just make the deal now, get it over with, rip off the Band-Aid, and then figure out what the future looks like for a new PlayStation 5. That, isn't trying to like destroy xbox jack grubb i appreciate you coming through thank you so much for your input thanks guys uh everybody go check out games beat check out jeff grubb's articles and again go to subscribe to their events subscribe to the newsletters give them all the love and support and turn off that damn ad, ad block and twitch.tv slash jeff grubb to watch him play the anacrusis which uh i was watching him play uh, a bit of and uh instead of that you could just play rainbow six extraction because i actually like that game also, check out his TikTok. I could not tell you the username of his TikTok because the username is uh, real messy. In fact, I think it has the word mess in there. But uh, yeah, go, go Google Jeff Grubb TikTok. I'm sure it'll pop up. Andy, let's hop into another Activision Blizzard story. Story number three. Labor organizers say Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard won't stop them. This is Charlie Hall at Polygon. On Tuesday, Microsoft announced its plans to acquire Activision Blizzard, makers of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, and many other popular video game franchises for a reported $68.7 billion. The move comes amidst heightened tensions between leaders at Activision Blizzard and workers attempting to form a union. Organizers say that despite the distraction and the potential for new leadership, the fight for workers' rights at Activision Blizzard is still ongoing. In a statement Tuesday on Twitter, the Activision, uh, Activision Blizzard King Workers Alliance was adamant that the change must come from the top of the company, regardless of who its owner is. Quote, the news of Activision Blizzard's acquisition by Microsoft is surprising, said the Activision Blizzard King Workers Alliance in a statement today on Twitter. Quote, but does not change the goals of the ABK Workers Alliance. We remain committed to fighting for workplace improvement and the rights of our employees, regardless of who is financially in control of the company, end quote. It's a situation that Activision has largely brought upon itself. The story began last summer with detailed reporting at Kotaku and other outlets describing a hostile work environment decades in the making. The ABK Workers Alliance was formed in August 2021 to support its workers and improve workplace conditions. That effort is still ongoing, including at Raven Software, where workers are currently in their fifth week of a strike to protest layoffs. 
Other demands include the call for the removal of CEO Bobby Kotick, who has retained his position at Activision Blizzard, despite his central role in many of his controversies. Quote, whatever the leadership structure of the company, ABK, Worker, uh, ABK Workers Alliance concluded in a statement, we will, continue to, we will continue our push to hashtag end abuse in gaming and appreciate the outpouring of support we've experienced in the last year, end quote. And that's one that I think a lot of us were wondering about in terms of, okay, well, what happens to the protests? What happens to the strike? What happens to... Uh, the workers movements going on at activision blizzard and it makes sense that like hey it doesn't stop here right because you don't know what's going to happen when you get acquired right you don't know there are reports there there, there are rumors there are all these things there's speculation in terms of bobby kotick is probably going to step down after the the deal is finalized and all these things right even if bobby kotick steps down that doesn't erase all the shit that still goes on in activision blizzard there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and again this is the thing that i said on some show yesterday that like even as you even with Activision Blizzard being adopted into Microsoft and Xbox, you still you may shed some of the issues that you have at Activision Blizzard, but then you are adopting things that may may exist at Xbox that you don't know about, right? As much as there's probably a lot of celebration going on, there's probably a lot of fear as well in terms of all right, what does this mean for my future? All right, does my role stay the same? What uh, what are the things at Xbox that I need to worry about or I need to feel confident in? Uh, and I think with that, staying true to the movement and still pushing for, hey, no, we still want to unionize. We still want uh, uh, workers to be treated better. We want good change. We want and, and hashtag end abuse in gaming, as they mentioned in the tweet, uh, I think makes sense. And yeah, of course, support the movement. Absolutely, yeah. The fund is still up. Um, they've been raising money for... A lot of the people that are still striking who were just unjustifiably laid off in a in a pretty terrible fashion by Activision. Yeah, I think you're right, Bless. They don't know exactly what they're going into. It, it is that fear of the unknown. And I do hope that uh, they are able to find some more stability and they're able to find a place that is safer working under Xbox. But keep on fighting for those rights and keep on trying to get you keep on trying to unionize, because I think that is the most important thing about this. And yeah, hopefully, yep. hopefully everything works out, man. I, I really, I genuinely hope that they are walking into a much better position than they were two days ago, three days ago. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it, it's a thing I, I talked about a little bit, again, on Gamescast, which you go check out that episode of Gamescast uh, yesterday in terms of corporate consolidation being kind of a, 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 a scary thing. I think one of the scary things about it, and one of the scary things I think in this particular situation is that Xbox now is now huge. Right. And growth in a lot of ways is great. In a lot of ways is not great. We've seen companies grow and not be able to manage that growth. And then things go awry. You know, I look at CD Projekt Red, for example, and how that company grew going into Cyberpunk 2077. And, be, and, be, and with that growth, they weren't able to manage it. And all of a sudden things go awry with Microsoft adopt, uh, 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 adopting Activision Blizzard King. That is growing them by a lot. And yeah. even at even with the faith that I think a lot of us have in Xbox, it, it is difficult to manage that many teams, that many people, and try to try to align all these different companies under a, a a similar corporate structure. You know, like Activision Blizzard. Just again, just because they're getting acquired by Microsoft doesn't mean that things are necessarily going to change. Again, Microsoft and Xbox is known to have kind of a hands-off approach in terms of like you know, create the games you want to create, operate the way you want to operate. And of course, with Activision Blizzard, you'd hope that the approach isn't as hands-off in terms of fixing the cultural shit there. But even then, they also have to pay attention to the Bethesda teams. They also have to, have to pay attention to the original Microsoft teams, right? There's a lot to manage there for Xbox. Uh, and I'm sure the answer for them will probably be hiring up and figuring out like, okay, cool, let's 
fucking let's let's delegate let's figure out who's in charge of making sure activision is good who's in charge of making bethesda good but that's a lot of work uh and it nothing is for sure here and so again i think it is good that they're sticking to the cause and uh still pushing to make their workplace better now pivoting of course i want to hop into story number four before i do that i want to let everybody out there knowing that they or let everybody out there know that they can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can go to get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Sticking to your New Year's resolutions can be hard, but if you're focusing on saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, smashing your goals is a piece of cake with HelloFresh. HelloFresh has endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable by delivering pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. HelloFresh has 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week, including some more family-friendly or gourmet choices uh kevin coelho paula coelho they've been loving hello fresh they of course paula being a vegetarian like the options of having the vegetarian stuff and they've been having some fantastic meals over there in their coelho household go to hellofresh.com slash kind of funny 16 and use code kind of funny 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts that's hellofresh.com slash kind of funny 16 and use code kind of funny 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts andy story number four is us kind of exiting the activision blizzard talk a little bit it's kind of a soft exit because we're still going to talk a little bit about activision blizzard in this one but it's a new story that's not focused on activision we're in the blizzard. exit lane plus we're in the exit lane right i we're stuck the exit my hand out of... the window because my blinker is broken i need to get it yeah fixed. give me yeah. your uh, best um uh google maps impression when they're telling you to take an exit Oh, shit, I, I don't got it. I'll put you on the spot. I was, I was, I was trying to think of it, and I, I was almost going to do like a Michael Caine, like, you want to exit on the right. I was going to like, oh, I don't know, Bless. I was good, though. I was good, though. You, you know. Thank you. you. I know. I know. Talking. It was great. I know. Uh, let's hop into story number four. Call of Duty Vanguard and Black Ops Cold War were number one and number two. Were the number one and number two best-selling games of 2021 in the U.S. This is Eddie at GameSpot. Uh, and this is more so just a new story about the MPD report that we got for 2021 because the, the reports are up. We can now take a full look at the year and talk about what games sold well and what games uh, sold surprisingly. Let's hop in to this Eddie article. Amid news that Activision and the Call of Duty series are being acquired by Microsoft, I love, I love that every single article so far has started with that sentence. Uh, the MPD group has released its sales report for December 2021 in the full year, revealing that Call of Duty, Vanguard, and Black Ops Cold War were the two were the top two best-selling games of the year. Vanguard was December's best-selling game of December of December and the full year, uh, and the series has now been the best-selling game franchise for dollar sales for 13 years in a row. Halo Infinite was December, right? 13 fucking, fucking years. That's so crazy that Vanguard becomes the number one selling game of the year and it was released in December. In Nove November, or November. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Had a month and a half to do that. Wild. Uh, Halo Infinite was December's uh, second best selling game overall and the top seller on Xbox, which is also an interesting one because, again, that was on Xbox Game Pass. So that speaks to the power of, like, even though shit appears on Game Pass stuff still sells like even regardless uh pokemon brilliant diamond and shining pearl was number three overall for december and number one on nintendo platforms for december and the full year the pokemon series had a banner year in 2021 with physical software reaching the highest annual total since the year 2000 
Here's how the ranking shook out in 2021 by dollar sales. Uh, let's start with just December. I'm going to give you the top 10, Andy, for December 2021. At number 10, you have Animal Crossing New Horizons. Wow. Uh, and I should note that um, uh, for a lot of these games, digital sales aren't included. I believe Nintendo games do not have digital sales included specifically. So yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons was uh, number 10 there. At number 9, NBA 2K22. At number 8, Mario Party Superstars. At number 7, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, at number 6, Mario Kart 8. At number 5, Battlefield 2042. At number 4, Madden NFL 22. At number 3, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. At number 2, Halo Infinite. And then at number 1 for December 2021, Call of Duty Vanguard. That's Miles just this- Morales a year later. Yeah, getting, in December. Getting that, getting that No Way Home bump. Good job. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we talked about uh, a, a little bit ago on PS Love You, and we looked through the PlayStation, uh, PSN store-specific sales, and Miles Morales was at one point, I think, above uh, even Call of Duty, and it was like, dude, that is the power of one Spider-Man. That is the power of this is the power of the Spider-Man No Way Home, Home bump specifically, but also the power of the IP. It's also the power of Insomniac, and it's the power of fucking how good that fucking game is. Because I went back to play it, or how good those games are, I should say. Because I went back to play the DLC for Spider-Man Remastered, and I just got done finishing Spider-Man Miles Morales again last night. And man, those games are fucking good, Andy. Insomniac, I, they'd be putting crack in that. In those they're games. they're pretty damn good at what they do. I'm. I think my my focus immediately gets brought to uh at number 17 for december was guardians of the galaxy shout out guardians a game that Mm. just didn't make our top 10 a lot of people were mad about that but we you know it's still a really really good game i think it was actually number 11 or 12 on our list um and number 18 ghost of tsushima which was a game that i finally beat this past year and it beat uh super mario 3d world which is really cool and it's something i wasn't necessarily expecting for a game that Mm. you know had come out last year or or was it last year a year and a half ago 2020 so yeah ghost of tsushima being on this top 20 list for december of this past year uh is pretty impressive for me now to hop for 2021 overall uh best-selling games they got 20 games here. I'm gonna go the full 20 because when we're talking about the the whole year, you gotta you gotta get a, a a broad look at what how these things land. And so starting at number 20, we got Forza Horizon 5, 19, Mortal Kombat 11, 18, Back for Blood, 17, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, <laughs> right? <laughs> number 16, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, 15, NBA 2K22, 14, Animal Crossing New Horizons, 13, Minecraft, 12. FIFA 22, 11, Far Cry 6. Uh, at number 10, Super Mario 3D World. Above that is MLB The Show 21. Above that is Resident Evil Village, uh, the Mario Kart 8. And again, Mario Kart 8 is not counting digital sales, which is very important to note because we're talking about top 2021. My God. Top best-selling games of 2021. Mario Kart 8 is number seven without digital sales included. Insane. Uh, number six, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Number five, Battlefield 2042. Number four, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond slash Shining Pearl. Number three, Madden NFL 22. Number two, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And number one, Call of Duty Vanguard. Andy, do any of those stick out to you? Um, I think immediately I look at 14 Animal Crossing New Horizons being over NBA 2K22, which is a multi-platform game. 
I would have assumed that New Horizons year was 2020, which was the year of the pandemic. And that's the year that we kind of saw not only Animal Crossing New Horizons release, but have that big boom and just everybody's playing it. And suddenly everybody has a Nintendo Switch and Brie Larson is on Animal Talking starring Gary Whitta, mm. uh, star game developer of Loodle the Game. <laughs> and now we see it <laughs> still play here. Let's up soon. We see it here still in 2021 above NBA 2K22. And that's, that's pretty impressive to me for a game as popular as NBA 2K22, which whenever we see NBA... Uh, the 2K series pop up on these lists. It's always, I'd say, top five in whatever month that we're looking at in any given month. And uh, for for a game on one platform to surpass NBA 2K, uh, 2K22, I think is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, again, I want to point uh, point out Call of Duty Vanguard and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War being number numbers one and two for 2021 overall, the top 20 best-selling games. Again, I look at that and I wonder how do you treat Call of Duty as Microsoft? Because uh, I was saying I was saying this before, and I was like, I was thinking about it this morning as I woke up, and I was I was I was like, I was thinking about like, am I making sense when I say this? When I say that you don't spend sixty eight billion dollars to then look at Call of Duty and go stop making as much money as you are, right? The 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 strat for Xbox being Game Pass still right. I do I I think they had to put Call of Duty on, on on Game Pass because if they didn't, then that's weird, right? Like that is their whole their whole strategy. But I wonder, like, I, I think are, I, what, I, I do don't do? think that's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong about about that way of thinking. Obviously, that's a lot of money you're going to leave on the table if you choose to go every other year with it. I do think there are smarter ways to go about its development. And I think that they will, I think um, the team at Xbox will talk to Activision and say kind of, hey, let's see, after after the end of every game or whatever, at the end of every DLC cycle or whatever thing, we're always going to have a sort of uh, wrap ups and, you know, how did the development go? What are some of the problems we saw? There are definitely smarter ways to make those games in more of not only efficient ways, but ways that don't require, you know, crunch or ways that don't feel like they are um, the game is coming out and it's immediately broken and the fan base is mad. It's it's got to be. I mean, you know, woe is them multimillionaires going, oh, our game came out and it's really broken. But who gives a shit? It's number one on the list of <laughs> in a yeah. month that it had just come out the prior month. You know, like it it's pretty wild to me that they are still seeing those numbers Especially when you are somebody like me who's always kind of looking at esports culture and reading about how certain players or big influencers feel about certain games. It always seems like doom and gloom with Call of Duty. It always seems like the game is dead. And then you see these numbers and go, nah, man, like it's no. it's still selling well. And that is just a small pocket of the internet. Like, and I, I, I think it's the big indicator that like... You, Andy, me and you, right, right. We were on Games Daily. We talk about this stuff. We pay attention to games media. I felt like this fall, games media was relatively almost radio silent when it came to the release of Call of Duty Vanguard. And I think both that is just the general non-interest in Call of Duty that games media has, but then also the fact that with the Activision Blizzard happenings, I think that was the more important things on everybody's mind, over uh, more so than uh, the actual game release, and people didn't feel as 
I, I, people 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 didn't feel like streaming it as much people didn't feel like propping it up as much and talking about the game is something to celebrate right in the way that we talk about other games how high pr for horizon for west and all these other things especially especially when we when we played warzone a lot yeah, and... yeah specifically yeah we played warzone a lot we played overwatch a lot right and like a lot of that has died down and, and calmed down because we've not we've not felt like it now it, it's just it's it, it not only kind of it not only f I, I was already reading a, a reaching a place of burnout with warzone mm -hmm. um before any of the larger controversies hit. And I think when those larger controversies hit, it just kind of felt wrong. And it, I wouldn't have been able to stream it and not feel kind of gross about it. And I feel like a lot of people also felt that way. Um, but obviously not enough people. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it is it's still it's still way the hell well, up there it, blessing and that and that's what i want to bring up is the fact that despite the relative radio silence from the media side it does not matter right like call of duty is still number one and like media doesn't care about call of duty as much the world is still going to play call of duty regardless which like on one hand like good for the ip that is a strong ip it's out there killing it but on the other hand it's like yo that's kind of depressing right that like no matter what, like this, this thing is going to be number one. It's gonna sell. Um, yeah, I, I just find it fascinating. Uh, very interesting that yeah, the top two games uh, of the year are both Call of Duty. But I digress. We're gonna continue to talk about Call of Duty and what it means for Xbox and what Xbox does with it as the days and the months and the years go. But for now, Andy, I want to talk about a different first-person shooter. The story number five, Rainbow Six Extraction reviews are up. We got a review roundup for you. Uh, all right, now on Metacritic, it is sitting at a 73. On OpenCritic, it is also sitting at a 73. I got two reviews for you, and then I want to point to, uh, to Andy, because I know Andy has been playing some Rainbow Six Extraction. I've also played uh, a little bit of it. I think Mike's in the call, if Mike wants to speak up too, to talk about Rainbow Six Extraction. To start off with Luke Winkle at IGN, they gave it a seven out of 10 and says, uh, Rainbow Six Extraction is one of the boldest games in recent Ubisoft history. Not only does it does it exchange the series stead military realism for a wonderfully grotesque universe of oozing parasitic incursion, it also introduces a slew of mechanics determined to make us fear death. Returning to the scene of a failed mission in a desperate attempt to pry a friend's body from the festering horde is legitimately one of the most exhilarating operations I've ever attempted in a co-op video game. But Extraction's premise wore on me quickly, and its set of recurring objectives, while well-designed, didn't offer quite enough intrigue to keep me excited about coming back for as long as some other similar games. As a result, Extraction resembles a generous, well-executed expansion pack rather than a brand new game. Uh, and I'm going to hop over to Austin Goslin at Polygon, uh, who, who doesn't give it a score, but titles their article, Rainbow Six Extraction is all grind and no payoff. Uh, the excerpt I'm pulling reads like this. Playing Rainbow Six Extraction, Ubisoft's co-op versus AI spinoff of its competitive tactical shooter, Rainbow Six Siege, is like playing all the worst parts of a very good game. The mechanics remain outstanding, but all the new content feels like an endless list of RPG side quests that feel destined to lead to something better, but never actually do. Because all of the progress is, uh, or progression is linear, rewards are just handed to you in a set order and rarely make you feel significantly stronger. In other words, extraction is a very flat experience. Even worse, all these levels and upgrades always feel like they're pushing you towards something cool, but once you get into the end game, it turns out they never were. 
The end game is just more of the same incursions, but with harder difficulties, a smaller pool of operators, which changes every few days, and some modifiers. Extractions grinding is no more or less rewarding than a clicker game. Its best asset is its underlying mechanics, which make for a solid shooter if you can find the right group of friends uh, with which to play with. Andy Cortez, you've been playing quite a bit of Rainbow Six Extraction with Snow Egg Mike and others. Where do you where are you at with these reviews and how you feel about it? Um, I am definitely a lot higher on both of these reviews. Even Luke Winkle gave it a seven out of ten, which is a really good score. And right now sitting at a Metacritic of of seventy three, I, I definitely go a bit higher than that. I I've I haven't really cared about a Ubisoft game in a long time. Blessing. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've always kind of felt the. the I don't know, maybe the the tiredness, it's always kind of felt very, um, it's always kind of felt very Ubisoft, which is like the best way I could put it. Um, But with Rainbow Six Extraction, it's a game that I wasn't necessarily expecting to love going in. And we had that preview session and you were pulled away from that preview session to go uh, host Games Daily because Gary Witta's internet shut off. And Mike and I stayed there, but the game stuck with me after playing a couple of matches because of its difficulty and because of the tactical nature that it has. And I thought, well, we'll see if that feeling alone is enough to keep me on. Mm-hmm. And I kept on playing when the when we got the codes release, uh, when we got the, the, the codes given to us by Ubisoft. And I found myself wanting to keep on progress, uh, to, to keep on getting that progression with not only leveling up your operatives, but every sort of incursion you go into has these sort of meta objectives similar to let's say a a Fortnite challenge or a a valorant challenge where it's like sure you'll get xp for finishing this match but what if you get so many headshots headshots on these dudes what if you ping these bad guys so there's all these sort of ways to level up and feel good and get that satisfaction of seeing the number grow higher and the sound effects pop off and it just feels really really good to level up but more than anything there are legitimately really thrilling moments in this game um, whenever your operative does happen to get stuck in a certain area and you realize you have to go rescue your operative the next time around or everything is going fine and suddenly a slew of enemies will pop up from behind you and you get exploded and you're downed and you have to wait for your person. You have to wait for your teammate like Mike or we played with the nanobiologist the other day and you got to hope, oh, man, are they going to go just extract on their own to get their XP back? But of course not, because the best teammate in the world, Mike, is going to pull off just hero plays. And it all results in really exciting, thrilling moments. And I did not expect to really love this game. And I genuinely cannot stop playing this game. Uh, I want to keep on progressing. I want to keep on leveling up the operatives that I'm that I'm using. And it's been really cool to not only see a pretty neat, I'd say, um, a, a pretty neat amount of different levels and different missions whenever you get in there. But there are some really cool surprises that end up popping up later on in the game that I was not expecting to see. Uh, almost sort of boss battle type things that I don't really want to spoil anything. But when you experience them, it's really cool. And it feels a lot different than what I was expecting to get. And I just, I don't know, it's got a really neat progression system that I'm really digging. And I have not felt this way about a Ubisoft game since probably the Division 2. Uh, and wow. that's been a long time, dude. 
Yeah. I mean, everything you're saying right now is making me excited to continue because I've only played that during that preview session that got my time got cut short with that you mentioned. And then also yesterday I was playing a lot with Greg. And during that time, I was really enjoying myself. You know, it's exactly everything you mentioned. It's exactly the I'm going to go into a mission with Greg and we're going to complete the objectives that we can. And then having the decision halfway through of being like, should we pull out here because we're weak and you're weak and we don't want to lose these operators? Or do we keep pushing because we feel like we got this stuff? You know, I feel like the, the mechanics, I think, are pretty solid. And that's to, to be expected because it is pulling from the mechanics of Rainbow Six Siege. And Rainbow Six Siege is a very mechanically solid game. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, you know, it literally has the same operators. And some of them seem tweaked. Like I, I chose Lion, who in Rainbow Six Siege, Lion's ability will, if you activate it, any of the enemies that are moving in the map, you can then the kind of see them, right? You can you can you can ping them. But right. in Rainbow Six Extraction, choosing Lion, I was like, all right, how's this gonna work? And it's it it's the same ability, but it's different. Where now it is a a beacon that you kind of send out, and any of the enemies that are near you, you can see them through walls. And they're making those small adjustments to make it so that okay, no, this feels like I'm playing the characters that I love from Siege, but they make sense for this game. Even though there are some characters where I'm still I'm still waiting to see what how how they're going to be applicable. Sledge, for example, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to use Sledge yet in this game because Sledge breaks down walls and I don't see the scenario where I'm going to want to break down a wall yet. But I had the same thing with... Um, I forget the other character. There's like a character that's good at re reinforcing walls. Oh, no, not even a character. There's the mechanic to reinforce walls like you do in Siege. And in the first areas, I was like, when am I ever going to reinforce walls in this game? But then me and Greg got to an objective that is like, hey, you're going to have to do this. And and I was like, okay, cool. Okay, Greg, before you activate this thing, let me reinforce the wall so, so that way we have a better chance. You're thinking you're thinking in those similar ways that I think is very satisfying. And they, they, they make it work. My one worry is what the... Um, these reviews have been identifying, which is the long game. How is the progression? Does this game stay fun after a while? And it sounds like from your time playing, you're, you're having a better experience with it than the people, than the, the reviews that we just read. Um, but me being early still, I am like, okay, I can see how this could get old, but I can also see how I stick with it and maybe get to those places where it's like, oh shit, this mission seems cooler than the last mission and enjoy it that way. Yeah, um, I think so I'm pleasantly I, surprised. Yeah, I think having the players start off in different areas of these really well-designed maps is really neat as well, just to kind of add into that, uh, to just make it, to feel that variety. Now we're we're going to the same map, but now we're starting on this side of the map, and our mission objectives are three different things than they were last time. And sure, they may be the same objectives last time, just shuffled in a way, or they may be an, an added one and two of the same from the last time. I think there's enough variety there to make it feel good and make it... Uh, I don't know, satisfying to play. And um, I it was really neat when we played with uh, the nanobiologist and he's using a drone that is also emitting this radar. And I go, what the fuck are you using right there? And he goes, oh, I get that. I got this at level whatever. And I go, oh, shit, I really want to level up and get that later on. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of really cool uh, need uh, added things for progression that make the game, I think, really good. And um, I've... I haven't really felt this way about a PVE game. I thought Back for Blood was going to be that for me, and mm -hmm. I lost interest on that pretty quickly. I still think it's a good game. I think my gaming habits are when like when everybody says, "Are you going to stick with this?" It's like, well, I don't stick with any game, so I'm not the person to ask. Like when I beat the final boss in Destiny Two, and I'll wait for the next expansion. You know, like I never yeah. stick around really in in any game. But I've put about 15 hours, uh, maybe over 15 hours in Rainbow Six Extraction so far. And I want to keep on going and I want to keep on progressing because I'm having that much fun with it.
Hell yeah. Let's move on to our last and final news story for the Roper Report. Story number six, there's a new Horizon Forbidden West story trailer. Uh, and I'm going to pull a little bit from a write-up from IGN from Jonathan Dorn, which kind of gives us the context of the trailer. But then also, Kevin, if you can p- go into the doc under the, the headline for the new story, I have the yeah, link have to it. the trailer if you want to pull it up. Oh, perfect. See, this is why, this is why we love you, Kevin. You're mm-hmm. good at your job. You know you, oh, know, also- you know how to you know how to pull up clips on like a Barrett Horror. I'm joking, Barrett. I know you're oh, here. Motherfucker. Oh, I know. I- I'm joking. I'm joking. You're the, you're the king of pulling up clips, Barrett. Kevin what? Is Kevin is the queen. You're the queen. All right. right. Yeah. No, no, you saved. You saved them. I like <laughs> hey, that. There you go. Uh, to read quickly from Jonathan Dornbush, right? Jonathan writes here, uh, Horizon Forbidden West is looking to expand Aloy's story and world in some major ways. The sequel, coming to PS4 and PS5 on February 18th, is not only introducing a new region, as evidenced by its title, but it is also introducing new tribes and new threats, bringing back beloved characters from Horizon Zero Dawn and exploring new mysteries about Guerrilla Gorilla Games' fantastic... Or, fascinating world uh, a new story trailer ahead of the launch next month teases what's in store for aloy including a focus on the new villain regala played by legendary actress angela bassett and what exploration into the forbidden west means for aloy's journey i highly don't recommend forget about out. carrie and moss so that's what i wanted to point out that was the big reason i wanted to bring up the trailer is because this shit caught me off guard and i like kevin you can just fast forward to the end of the trailer honestly fast forward to the end of the trailer uh because I got to a point, is it, yeah, this is that point in the trailer, where I saw this and I was like, is that fucking Carrie Ann Moss? And then <laughs> I had to go to trailer, I, I had to go to Twitter to like see what other people were saying and nobody else was saying anything. But I was like, fuck, that's the Carrie Ann Moss. Let's fucking go. <laughs> that's Trinity. <laughs> that's Trinity. Yeah, go back, like freeze frame. I think it is. Yeah, it, it, is. Just like it definitely is. Yeah, they confirmed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I saw that, I got super hyped. I was like, oh shit, I was not expecting that. Very, very cool stuff. This game does not look real. It is wild how the level of visual fidelity we've reached. And every time I see a cutscene in this, I don't understand how it's a real playable thing. And I feel like I've been feeling that about a lot of different games coming out uh, in the last year and in the future. This game looks amazing. I can't freaking wait. When are we going to get our damn codes? When are we going to get our codes? I have the same question. When are we going to get our damn codes? Because that might be so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mombiroff shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Dismantle for Xbox One, Hatsune Miku Logic Paint S for Xbox One and PC, Guild of Ascension for Switch, Vivid Night for Switch, Alina of the Arena for PC and Mac. Why'd they make that rhyme? And then Loodle <laughs> uh, is out right now for PC. We're going to come at you in the post show. Loodle on PC. Yeah. <laughs> Loodle is out today on it's PC. Uh, stay tuned for the post show where we're going to do a live playthrough of Loodle. Uh, new dates for you. Banjo-Kazooie will be added to Nintendo Switch Online's expansion pack tier on January 20th. Pants Quest, an adventure game about finding your pants, comes to find my pants on March 1st. Where, where are my pants? pants? Where are my pants, pants. go? The Nintendo Switch version of Dying Light 2 has been delayed to later in 2022. Unfortunate. And if you're asking, hey, wasn't that supposed to come out day and date, like uh, in a few weeks with the other versions? Yes. Yes, it was. Oh. It has been delayed <laughs> to later in 2022. You so. could have told me Dying Light came out two months ago and I didn't believe you. Dying Light 2, the second one? Yeah. Dude, you, speaking of If you told me codes, it came out already, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, sounds like Peek behind the right. curtain for everybody, right? I, I, I mentioned this on Gamescast, right? We're in review season. There's a bunch of games that are about to come out. I'm sitting here waiting for any code to come to my inbox. Do you know what season it is? <laughs> Do you know what season it is? <laughs> it's review season. The latest you setup. 
you should have been there. There was such a setup for a blessing, having this grand, cool statement going, everybody, do you know what season it is? And we're like, no. And he goes, it's review season. <laughs> we're like, oh. They can't, thought, they can't all be gold, Andy, all right? They can't all be gold. There's going to be something clever there. Not even most of them can be gold, all right? I can only give you gold maybe two out of ten times, and that's what I was hired for. All right? Pay me more, maybe I'll give you more gold, Greg Miller, Tim Gates. Uh, let's see. What else here? Splitgate beta season one launches January 27th, and then Mira's Brush leaves early access on January 21st. Oh, by the way, um, brand new game mode in Halo dropped yesterday. Oh. Uh, along with their new sort of event, which is like their cyberpunk event, uh, their cyber whatever the hell they're calling it. But their new mode, Attrition, is really, really damn cool. Attrition, you start off with a set amount of lives and your team gets whittled down. And when you get to the end of your when you get to the end of the round and maybe you're all out of lives, you can res your teammates if they do get downed. And it, it, mm. it was a lot of fun yesterday. We played, uh, it was me, Snowbike Mike, Khalif from Spawn On Me, and uh, we played with like Washburn and uh, a couple of other people uh, from chat. And it was a lot of freaking fun. So if you have not tried out the new Halo Infinite multiplayer mode, Attrition, go try it out. I had a blast. It has, it just there's just really cool stakes knowing, okay, this is it. No more lives. Don't die. Like you have to mm. clutch the hell up right here. It's really fun. Andy, now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Uh, Nana writes in and says, bless, you said PlayStation shares, but it's Sony's shares. That's Technically, you're right. You're right. You know what I meant, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you for that. You're wrong. And then Nano also writes in and says, Jeff Grubb said Electronic Arts, but per a certified news source, it's EA's Electric Arts. Mm-hmm. Very good thing to note. There. Electric so art. It's in the game. Electric, electric arts. Big. <laughs> electric arts sports. <laughs> uh, Andy, it's been a great episode of KFGD, but we're coming to an end, which means I should tell everybody about tomorrow's hosts. They are Greg and Tim. So look forward to that. If you're watching this live right now on Twitch after this, is Mike and Greg playing some Rainbow Six Extraction. If you want to catch that stream later, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplays. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So we'll be playing some Wordle over, or not Wordle, sorry, Loodle over there. Gary Witt's new game, so stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.